you know, the whole fight against boring thing is, is pretty cool in the sense of, you know, being able to showcase those pictures of our piece of crap car and driving it across 10,000 miles. Our stereo costs twice as much as our car did. <laughs> <laughs> The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 433. California once declared itself an independent country for a month. On June 14th, 1846, California declared its independence from Mexico. But that was short-lived because one month later, California decided to pledge its allegiance to the United States after the U.S. also declared war on Mexico. It's called the Bear Flag Revolt, and it's a really interesting month in California history. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today are two guys who started the number one hostel in Nicaragua, who have participated in the Mongol Rally. There have been a few other people in the Mongol Rally on this podcast, guys, so we'll talk to you about that, who have traveled through China, Colombia, and Peru sourcing fabrics, and whose motto, I love this, is Fight Against Boring, Sean Colina and Jeff Andalite from BajaLama.com. Sean and Jeff, thanks for joining me. A huge welcome. Thank, Thank you. Much. We're excited to be here. Yeah, yeah and I, I'll, I'll let everyone on in on a little secret. We actually have like a three-way Skype thing going. So usually uh, when we have multiple people on, they're like sitting next to each other, you know, in the same room. First time. I believe this is the first time in whatever, 400, over 400 shows. We've got people Skyping in for different areas. So we got California in the house and Florida in the house. I'm up here in Philly. So what more could you want, guys? Um, Fighting against boring. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Fighting against boring here on today's episode. The name. All right. The name. Love it. Rolls right off the tongue. Bahalama.com. Where'd it come from? So... (laughs) It was a slow progression of trying to think of things, but ultimately, I guess what it landed on is if a llama can be in that high part of the Andes and make his way all the way to Baja, Mexico in search of a good time, he must be one hell of a guy. So we thought that was fun, and uh, the the website was available too, so that's that's what stuck. And yeah. we love Baja, California. That's always the important things, right? I, I like I can't tell you how many companies I've tried to name and it's taken forever. You know, there's a, like a thousand iterations. Finally, you decide on something. You're like, all right, I should have checked if the uh, if the website was available first. It did not. All that hard work down the tube. So you guys got it. I usually check uh, if the website's available as my parameter mm. for naming a company. Probably smarter. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we had a couple other ones, but it was like .net and we're like, eh, that's not going to fly anymore. Right, exactly. Baja Lama, love it. Baja Lama, and you got the dot com. So there you go. Easy flows off the tongue. Bahalama.com. dot com. How did you guys meet then? Because you got you got one of you in Florida, one of you in California. Now, how did you meet? How did this all get started? 
Yeah, we actually, uh, I moved from Seattle actually when I was about 13 years old and I moved to Walnut Creek, which is about 45 minutes east of uh, San Francisco. And Jeff and I met at school, so we've known each other since, man, eighth grade. And, uh, you know, even throughout high school, we had little businesses that we were kind of up and running. Um, and throughout college, we had little things going here and there. So we've, we've thrown a lot of darts at the at the dartboard and waiting for a couple to stick. But Baha Lama has been a great uh, story for us. And yeah, so we've known each other since eighth grade. Yeah, what then are some of the other darts? Because this is the fun part of entrepreneurship. Like, give us some of the funny, goofy things you've started or wanted to start. The first one in high school was a thing called the Bottle Buddy. Which is probably uh, our best one. Yeah, probably, probably our best one. Uh, which is, you know, it's pretty outlandish. But essentially, it was uh, to make a beer bong out of a bottle. And we sold it out of the trunk of our car in high school after basketball games but that wasn't sustainable nor healthy uh nor respectable so we stopped that one yeah <laughs> being being 17 and 18 years old trying to sell yeah. uh, alcoholic things and but was, uh, and we did get into a store um in our local city of concord so at, at the mall um we were actually in a store called john t's or something and they were legitimately selling our products in the store and Jeff's mom actually does she still have it? And yeah, she's and, got the only one left in a package. Yeah, uh, and then we yeah, started a spice company. Yeah, we started some online marketing companies. What else have we started together? This is a bunch of trash. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the question is how many domain names do you still own? Because oh, I always yeah. get pinged like you still have this domain name and I'm like I can't let it go. Yeah. It's such a good idea at one Auto point renewal. even if it was reminder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. GoDaddy destroys us every month. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But, you know, I don't know. I'd say we're probably the 7 or 8 with all the uh, .coms being taken away, you know, all that's going to be valuable soon. A couple more years people are going to be offering us Hundreds of thousand dollars for those. That's right. Just squat on all those domains. Never give them up, right? That's a digital hoarding here is what we're preaching. And you guys talk about some of the stuff that you started and this idea of physical product, right? Especially clothing with so many sizes. Not an easy thing to get into at all. Like if you're looking at, all right, let's look at the scope of products you can start. What's easy? What's, you know, not capital intensive, all this kind of stuff. Physical products and then clothing products would would be you know pretty far down that scale. So, what made you guys decide to take the leap and to get into something like this? Well, first, I would say we probably should have thought of those things first if we were using uh, logic as a parameter for what we were going to start. But unfortunately, we didn't because certainly is capital intensive and complicated with all the size runs and everything. But uh, I guess we just started, I, I think I was having a conversation with my brother in my backyard about, because uh, we like Hawaiian shirts and fun button-ups, and he had an idea for some outlandish print, and we just kept talking about it, and then that morphed into, I think, you know, I could start a, a company that made more intriguing, better prints that told stories through art than what's currently available, and then, you know, called Sean up, and just like the other business ventures we were in, we just jumped head first without any previous experience. I mean, I've never worked in apparel. I don't even honestly like fashion too much. You know, I'm not yeah, a fashion type of guy. Of all of our friends, we're probably the least fashionable. Yeah. 
But, but uh, you know, we like creative process and starting things. So, and with with all those previous ventures that we did do, um, you know, obviously we learned a lot along the way. So we were able to, you know, minimize the errors that we experienced the first couple times, which is great. Um, so yeah, it, it's. I mean, we've definitely had some bumps in the roads, but I think you know, being able to have those experiences before helped us. Yeah, give us the company timeline from from idea of, all right, I'm going to make button-up Hawaiian t-shirts with prints that are better and tell a story and use local artwork. From that idea in the backyard with your brother to now, what did that look like? How long did this process take and what were kind of the milestones? I was probably about two years ago, almost exactly, uh, from ideation to to now. Uh, and then, you know, it took a few months of trying to get our feet wet and uh i had a family friend a contact who made apparel in la so kind of used him as a resource um for our first run which was actually made in la which was way too expensive so we had to exnay that pretty much immediately after the first run uh but then we launched we used the mongol rally kind of as the launching pad of you know i was going to be gone for two and a half months anyway for that uh so we named our team bahalama and that was uh a year and a half ago so july of 2018 i guess so i think that's when we really first started uh trying to sell our products online and what did that look like then did you have to raise capital do you guys have capital that you raised or was it just from stuff that you started before and self-funded yeah, we've got a little capital after the fact for subsequent uh, orders and inventory. But initially to start, we just poured in everything we had. I mean, went full <laughs> tilt, 100% all the way deep, uh, you know, bet the house on it, essentially. So, yeah, uh, basically, you know, got our jobs. I yeah. like, we quit our... I, you know, quote unquote corporate jobs to do to really go all in on this. So it was a, uh, you know, a gamble, but one that we were pretty more confident in, I think, just because of our previous <laughs> experience. Um, not so much in the fashion, but in the sense of, you know, we feel like people would like this. It's, uh, it's kind of a thing that's unique in the market because being from the Bay Area, being from, you know, everyone has the casual Fridays and stuff. You walk around San Francisco and everyone's wearing the same, you know, penguin shirt or pineapple shirt. And we're like, all right, we like the idea, but we can do a lot better than this. So that was kind of our thought process through it and thinking that we would be able to get this to be successful. Yeah. Where are you sourcing the artwork from? Because that was one of the, that's one of the big things that when you go on your site right away, it's all about doing this with local artists and it's not just more interesting print. I mean, that's part of it. That's one of the, the niches that you're hitting, but you're also saying, yeah, we're not just taking these stock images. Like we're actually having people create these and it's supposed to be a story. Yeah. So initially, so I would come up with ideas of <laughs> themes, right. Uh, which could be from the back of my head or a lot of times they're inspired by stories you know, from our travels. Uh, so then we'd have that little ideation session. Um, I would take references from other shirts as far as colors and, you know, style of art. Uh, and then I would go to Upwork, great website for uh, emerging brands, and try to find talent, 
um, that wasn't too expensive, but could also understand uh, kind of what I was looking for. So initially we used some people from uh, Russia, England, and then our head artist at the time who we found who's amazing, Jess Bosworth-Smith. Uh, once we found her, we used her for a few of our most famous prints. But, uh, you know, we'd come up with a story. I'd work with her. She would hand paint watercolors on separate pieces of paper. And then we would try to tell the story by – so we'd take high-resolution photos of each piece of art, each painting, and then digitally manipulate them and put them in a uh, repeating pattern. And then that would be the story. So – like, for instance, we have Narwhal, which is an underwater party going on, right? That shows pollution in the ocean. And she hand-painted 200 different elements, which is insane to think about. Uh, and then we hide little details in it. So there's like a little crab smoking a cigarette next to uh, a, a pack of cigarettes, right, to help show pollution in the ocean. Or a, a narwhal drinking a beer or a squid bartender, Um yeah, yeah so I, know, I know that the audience won't be able to see it, but Travi might be able to see. I so can. Yeah, the drinking the beer, the squid bartender's <laughs> up here. Um, so there's a lot of subtle details, right, that initially people don't really see. They see that there's something interesting going on. But what that does is, you know, we, we call our shirts conversation starters because if you're at a bar, someone's going to be like, is that a narwhal drinking a beer? And then it's like, is that a squid serving drinks? And then it really kind of, you know, showcases that fun theme, yet also, you know, we're able to raise awareness for things like trash in the ocean and, you know, ocean pollution and things like that. So that's kind of a story that we tag together and, you know, people really get behind that, of course. We kind of deviated, though, about your question for artists. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead, because you, you mentioned that you had a main artist. I was going to ask where yeah. she was from and, and how that has worked itself out. So she's South African. Um, now we actually brought on uh, uh, a great friend of ours who I've known from my days at the Naked Tiger, who's an amazing artist named uh, Richard Court. Uh, and so now he's, I guess, technically our head artist. Um, and now he's part owner of the company as well. But he's amazingly talented. And we have, so now, you know, using these other artists, we saved each element in a bunch of folders. So now we have a stock of, I don't know, almost a thousand different types of art. So we could go in the bank now without spending too much development time and costs and rearrange things, manipulate colors and come up with almost unlimited amounts of prints that still would have, you know, our hand painted vibe or intricate detail drawing um, you know, to, to keep with our theme. Yeah. And you guys were mentioning the fact that out of your friends, like you would not be the ones to start a fashion brand, right? Or what people would, would think, right? And so same with me, I'm in the same boat. People would be like, why are you doing this? But that doesn't mean you can't be creative. That doesn't mean that, that you don't have an eye for certain things, right? Even if none of us would say we're like, I'm not reading fashion magazines and blogs. I don't actually care about what the that fashion is because kind of like you guys are doing, you're saying, well, we want to do something totally different. So what does it matter if we know what the fashion world is doing? We're trying to do something totally different. So who is then, out of you guys, or maybe you have team members doing it, like actually figuring out 
what print is next because that's got to be a, a fun but maybe also challenging part of it. Like people would probably think, oh, it's cool. Like you get to sit around and play around with design all day. But you also at the end of the day have to come up with something that you think looks good and is going to work as well. Yeah, right. I spend a lot of time on uh, the, the print aspect of it with Richie now. Um, yeah, uh, we'll sit back and forth and have face-to-face Skype sessions going over a bunch of ideas. And then, you know, from start to finish, a print can take months and months. And, you know, the same print can look completely different by changing a few colors or even the size of the print relative to the shirt can make it look completely different. So even once you come up with a print and idea and even have the artwork done, now you're making 50 different mock-ups and different colors and sizes, uh, which can completely change whether people like it or not. Um, And so at first we were kind of blind and just did it and hoped that people would like it. And now (laughs) we're getting more tactile tactical and we have a facebook group of ambassadors we call them and then we'll run ideas by them and have them vote to kind of whittle down from our initial ideas our initial mock-ups and then for a refinement process of all right which ones are you most likely to buy which ones do you like the most here's the same cactus print for instance in six different colors and three different sizes so that's been a good way to whittle it down but now we're finally getting more um you know we have more analytics uh just from being around a while of what people are buying in different regions uh and trying to decipher things from you know how big the print is relative to you know what size it's selling uh what's the theme is it nautical is it floral and that's helping dictate now our initial design process to hopefully minimize wasted time, you know, creating something that nobody's going to want. Yeah. Where are most of your customers coming from? Like you mentioned regions and stuff like that. Are you specifically only selling? I mean, obviously you sell online, so anyone, I, or maybe not anyone could buy, I don't know where you ship, but is, are you seeing it like, Hey, you know, California's our hot spot or Florida's our hot spot or, Kansas City is our hotspot. I, I don't know. I mean, hey, have you seen? You know, it's, it's flesh yeah. Out? It's interesting to uh, it, just the last couple of months has been great data um, because being in Florida, you know, our top one of our top sellers is our desert print with the cactus and things like that, right? But that's in California on the West Coast, and being in Florida, you know, I've been talking to a lot of stores or you know at the Surf Expo or things like that, and they're like, we don't do cactuses here. <laughs> So that was obviously, you know, a learning experience for us as we're seeing how different regions react to different things. But our nautical prints, you know, love it here in Florida because they're all about, you know, the ocean and different things like that. So it's it's in a, it's been a fun learning experience just because what we thought initially was our best prints, so you know, the cactus collection, you know, didn't translate so well in Florida. So now we're just making small adjustments, but it's just been. Uh, yeah, it's been cool just to kind of understand the different dynamics of different regions. I think it depends on time of year too, right? So like California and Florida will be less seasonal. Uh, in the summer months, we'll have random cities in Iowa or something where we'll get a disproportionate amount of orders per population type of a thing. Um, and the other thing too is I don't know how Facebook algorithms really work. 
uh, I mean, we have a, a team that's kind of managing that for us now, but uh, it seems like it'll just change up the impressions to a random place thinking that it's the best. And then all of a sudden we'll get sales from there. So, <laughs> well, I yeah, do yeah. know that your Facebook ads and Instagram ads are running because ever yeah. since, nice. uh, ever since we got <laughs> you on the show and like, I guess you got in my email of like, you know, this it's BajaLama.com or something. I started seeing yeah. these. And I remember thinking the first time, why am I seeing these shirts? You know, I heard this name somewhere, but I couldn't pinpoint it exactly. I was like, Oh, that's guys who are going to be coming on the show. As soon as I break, I'm like, well, there's a lot of stuff going behind the scenes there. So, and that was before you even checked out our website. That was before I checked out the website. So it must have been almost kind of creepy then. Finding it through my Gmail, who like again, who knows? Or maybe I'm your target market. I don't know. Maybe I'm just in that target market. You look great. In our if shirts. not for the shirts, for the hats when they come out. That's right. If not for the shirts, then the hats when they come out. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, something, Jeff, which was um, pretty interesting here. You said the naked tiger. You're like, when I used to work yeah. at the naked tiger. So people were probably uh, yeah. like, uh, they may have heard that. If you didn't hear it, well, here you go. If you did catch on to that, good for you. You're listening closely. Uh, all right. So give us a story. I mean, the naked tiger is a bit of a provocative name. <laughs> So I was in the Peace Corps after college in Nicaragua. I was uh, in a small business development program teaching uh, entrepreneurship courses to high school kids on the East Coast. And then I took a trip from the East Coast to the West Coast to a town called San Juan del Sur with my brother and his uh, wife and a few friends at the time. Uh, And we happened to stay at this ridiculous house on the precipice of a hill with the most amazing view of the ocean and surrounding hills with a pool. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It's like, wow, this would be an amazing place for a hostel. Well, sure enough, uh, about four days later, while we were still there, the owner of the place was like, yeah, I want to sell it. I was like, All right. Well, I got to go back to the Peace Corps, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so then contacted uh, other friend, Ryan and knew that he was traveling and wanted to open a hostel probably too. And he had been to San Juan del Sur and liked it. So I told him about it. And then it was a whirlwind. Next thing you know, a week later, I quit the Peace Corps. We're moving into the house, uh, working on financing to buy it. And then spent the next two months to you know renovate it and turn it from a uh, private residence to a backpacker party hostel. Uh, and then we opened during the biggest week of tourism in San Juan del Sur called Semana Santa, Easter basically. And we had a bunch of Peace Corps people there as well. So we were full from day one and we had parties before we even opened. So there was already word spreading. Uh, and then it just blew, blew up from there. You actually had a guest on your show. I was listening to you maybe two years ago, a guy named Bill Kerr who owns okay. Adventure Fit Travel. Yep, yep. Yeah, I met him at the Naked Tiger, so... There you go. Actually, it's all coming it was, full circle here. Yeah, it was funny. I was listening to your show, you know, however long that was ago, and he just popped up randomly when I was listening. I was like, wow, this is a small world. That is a long time ago that I had him on. You're right. Yeah, I remember Bill's great. So, all right. 
you you start this hostel. I love that mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff seems to happen very quickly. A week later, <laughs> I bought this, uh, or I'm, I'm planning to buy this hostel. Oh, we thought these yeah. shirts would work, so we quit our jobs. We're doing it, um, which is yeah. great. And and obviously, there's there's something to that, right? Some people need that. Some people don't. You know, people fall over the spectrum. But for you, obviously, it seems like, yep, let's do it. So you, you open the hostel. What then took, like, do you still own it? Why are you not at the Naked Tiger right now, I guess, is the question. What did that kind of transition look like? Well, I guess to start, you have to know what the Naked Tiger is all about. So I wanted to create an atmosphere uh, that would just knock people's socks off uh, and be the best time they could ever have. Uh, The only rules basically were don't hurt anybody, don't hurt yourself, you know, and don't be a dick. So... That being said, the hostel was crazy, uh, you know, and I was living there dealing with stuff 24-7. You know, even if I wanted to sleep, inevitably people would be up, maybe something would break or there'd be a problem. So I was basically not sleeping and, you know, being around partying for a year and a half. So uh, that was one thing. And then now my wife, who at the time was just a backpacker, you know, going about her business, Came to the Tiger, uh, basically, you know, stayed for two weeks, came back, and then never left. So that was another factor. So I sold it, and I took her backpacking through Southeast Asia for eight months afterwards. Um, but the Tiger is still going on strong. It's just I divested and sold my my shares about six years ago, maybe. Okay. Have you been back since? Yeah. Okay. We just got married in Nicaragua three years ago, and we so I guess not just, but that was the last time I went back to the Tigers to check it out before our wedding. Yeah, that was a solid uh, Nicaraguan reunion for the wedding. It was a <laughs> it was a blast. Still holds a place in your heart, the the Naked Tiger. All Absolutely. right. So now you're now you're all in with Baja Lama, and and you guys mentioned that traveling and and you just told this uh, a bit of your travel story right peace corps i i want to open an awesome hostel i want to give people like the time of their life to come here they did that you did that for a year and a half decided all right i might not survive if i keep doing this right <laughs> um yep. so what is it then with you guys like what when did travel start to become a formative part and, and each of you can answer individually then um, of your lives? Like, was it something that you both grew up doing or was there one of these like aha or defining moments where you said, all right, th- this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to make this a huge part of my life, no matter what, what that looks like. Yeah. For me, um, it's funny because it's a story that resonates with Jeff and I, so senior year, you know, everyone for high school graduation, they're go to Cabo or Cancun or, you know, your typical thing. And Jeff, he told kind of our core group of friends, the five of us, and he's like, screw that. We're not going to Mexico. Let's go to Europe. And back in 2004, that's when we graduated, you know, there was no social media, really. There was no cell phones or any of that. So we're like, dude, no way our parents are going to let us go to Europe. We're 17 years old, or 18 years old. And somehow we convinced them all to let us go. So for 33 days, we backpacked, you know, all of Western Europe. We drank every single night. We just kind of had that really cool bonding experience together as a core group. And that was really our first travel, you know, solo like that. And, you know, part of starting the hostel and thing for Jeff was because 
obviously we were staying in hostels for 33 straight days. We kind of got to experience that. We got to see what we liked, what we didn't like. So I think that was kind of a, a aha moment in the sense of we want to travel. We want to see everywhere we can, you know, we could start a hostel. So, you know, Jeff and our friend Ryan eventually did do it. Um, so I think that was my kind of core aha moment. us, you know, our parents let us go to Europe and they trusted us, you know, back then we actually had, we used maps and we like actually walked around and got lost. So those are like kind of the cool, really experiences that I think we got to experience that most people didn't at that age, right? They, they did go to Cabo or Cancun, but that's just more of a party where we felt like we, you know, really got to experience something new and different. And that was, you know, kind of our moment. Yeah. For me, it was uh, right before then. I visited my brother in Greece. That was my first trip abroad. Uh, you know, my family didn't travel internationally when I was growing up. So my brother studied abroad in Greece, and I was 15, and I went to visit him with my father. He just had, you know, the best time you could possibly have. Uh, and then that was, after that is when I convinced all of my friends, hey, save up for two years <laughs> so that when we're done with high school, we can go backpacking and explore. Yeah. Yeah. And have that typical, well, that Euro trip, right? Which is, yeah, I guess, yeah, is that the, totally. is Matt Damon in that movie? Is that the that one? I don't, yeah, <laughs> either way. That's, that, that movie's underrated for sure. Definitely underrated. Um, yeah. So you got, you had that typical Euro trip. Like you said, everyone else is yeah. going partying in Mexico. You know, you're going to Europe, you're partying, but it, it's a different idea, right? Because you're getting yeah. to see completely different stuff. Um, you're getting to experience culture that's completely different and you're taking what, what, you know, in America, unfortunately, isn't a, uh, a thing really that, that doesn't really exist is the idea of a gap year. Now I know you didn't take a year, but you're having yeah. that kind of condensed mm -hmm. into one. And, you know, one of the things that I try to urge people to do, whether it be, you know, after high school, before college, after college, during college, whatever, you know, yeah. take that time, have that trip. Cause that's something I wish I had done and, and didn't do when I was that age. 100%. I yeah, we're, tell people that all the time. Yeah, I have younger cousins that kind of have followed in the same footsteps that we did. Because Jeff and I, we both study abroad when we were in college. We both, you know, continue to do that traveling. Um, and I have family members that are younger than me now that are just so pumped and grateful that they, you know, were pushed to do that. Because a lot of people don't do it. And, you know, I think it's a huge mistake or regret that they have. Yeah. For you guys, what does travel look like for you now? Are you still traveling quite a bit? And is it obviously some of it may be business, but what is kind of how does it flesh out for you in your regular lives at this point? I just got back from Guatemala <laughs> four days ago um, and I was in Colombia about three weeks ago. Colombia was for work. So that was more, you know, looking for manufacturers, so not too much of travel as much as getting business done in another country, but Guatemala, you know, we're getting older, so it's no more hostel life. Uh, we had seven <laughs> friends with us and we just rented two houses in two cities. So we weren't moving around too much. We went to Antigua and Lake Atitlan and you know, it, it's good question because you know, this trip is completely different than how they would have been five years from me, you know, just <laughs> relaxing in a nice, beautiful Airbnb for a few days at a time as opposed to racing around in a dump of a hostel. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, definitely changed. Yeah. And I, I think to, you know, really kind of now that we're getting older and we've done a couple of businesses, you know, we're 
which everyone's goal is, right? You're kind of trying to find that happiness slash work balance. And, you know, part of having the Baja Lama is the, the cool side of, you know, we get to travel and, you know, we have all these new products that are coming. So next or in two weeks, I'm actually flying into Tulum in Mexico. And we're going to do a huge lifestyle photo shoot with all our new products. Um, so it gives us one, an excuse to, you know, really go travel, but two, it's super necessary, right? Cause we need to update our, our website. You know, we obviously social media and all that stuff. So it's a good, uh, balance of work and, you know, play in a sense. And it's important for us, right? Cause travel is, it's very, you know, we'd love to do it. We think everyone should be doing it um, and it allows us to, you know, build our brand as well. I think that's part of the reason we made our brand our brand like this, yeah. too, is to have <laughs> totally. an excuse to travel, right? That's why it's, there's a travel theme behind it, is so that we can do it and call it for work. Yeah, totally. It's it's like not just, <laughs> oh, we're going to market it to travelers, but we don't care about this at all. It's like, how can we build uh, this brand around the stuff that we love for the type of people that we love so that it exactly. doesn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't love the cliche of people saying, you know, oh, if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. Come on, that's antiquated. Like everything yeah. has crappy parts to it, but yeah. how can I make most of it the most fun? And exactly. yeah, like a photo shoot would not fun if you're just like, Hey, come over to my house. Let's take these pictures. If you're like, Hey, we're hopping down to Tulum. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah now exactly. everything becomes fun, right? Exactly. So, you, you mentioned you did a little bit about this with the Mongol rally too, which I thought, I didn't know it kind of kicked off Baha Lama mm-hmm. or like at least the public facing side of it. Um, but I did, I, I went through and saw some of the pictures and, and all that good stuff of you like branding out the car and all. So give a <laughs> kind of give us some details on a, the experience, but also the idea behind, all right, we're going to do this Mongol rally, which if people don't know, you drive from, you still from London or is it, somewhere in the uk all the way to, Ulan Bator, back to right? london uh okay. when we did it they moved it to the czech republic but okay uh, all right so give us the idea like give us the thoughts behind basically kind of using this as a launch pad for the company and then let's talk about the experience itself yeah so the <laughs> mongol rally idea came about i think maybe even before uh baha lama uh, you know, it's a long process for visa. It only happens once a year. So, uh, I think that came first. And then as Baja Lama was developing, it made perfect sense. The timeline was going to work out where we were going to release our products right around the time that I was going to be starting this trip. So, you know, put two and two together. Why not, uh, make this uh, perfect segue and use the car and the story as, uh, you know, brand building for Baja Lama. So we made our team name, Team Baja Lama. We put a huge map with our logo on the, on the back window, uh, you know, tricked out the car as much as we could for Baja Lama and then obviously used the initial footage and pictures that we got for uh, our website. But yeah, I thought it was just a, a great way to to use that trip for building a brand kind of how the uh fight against boring came about too okay is that where the tagline came from or or during that time i think probably uh yeah during that time just fight against boring don't be boring yeah (laughs) yeah right so then with the mongol rally and Mm -hmm. doing it 
worth it? What were some of the highlights? Because, oh. I mean, I've had a buddy, he was actually staying with me last week, who was here, who's done the Mongo Rally, I don't know, two or three times. He's done the rickshaw oh, run wow. a couple of times. I think maybe Mongo yeah. Rally twice, rickshaw run three times. Now they have something where you can like fly with the air pack. Uh, that one looks oh, crazy. There's crazy ones. <laughs> yeah. The, the ice motorcycle one. <laughs> right, I got, right, right. so I found out, I found out about the Mongo rally from a girl who did the rickshaw run the year before. Uh, she had stayed at the naked tiger and so I, you know, kept, kept up with her on social media and saw this ridiculous adventure through India. So then I looked up the company, saw they did the Mongo rally with, which is their, you know, premier long, uh, haul adventure. And I was like, all right, I got to do this. This is absolutely necessary in my life. So I recruited my brother and, uh, a couple friends and, uh, just made it happen. But as far as, is it worth it? hundred percent. I mean, it's can get pretty hectic when you're in a car for 17,000 kilometers. Uh, most of the time, a uh, piece of crap, with no air conditioning, you know, going through desolate, arid, hot places. Um, but you know, that's all in the experience that makes it amazing. Uh, you know, my favorite part, honestly, was my preconceived notions about certain places, primarily, uh, central Asia, like, uh, Tajikistan, um, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, my favorite places. And I had, you know, the ideas I did have about them were completely wrong and I didn't have many ideas to start with because I guess I, I was completely ignorant about those places, but they turned out to be some of the most hospitable, beautiful, you know, life changing locations I've ever been to in my life. Uh, and it's especially Turkmenistan. I mean, it's almost impossible to even get in there. Somehow the Mongol rally has a way to get a transit visa where you can drive through there for five days normally it's like north korea you have to have a government minder with you i guess and so the fact that we were able to just freely drive through the country was one of the most uh amazing travel experiences i've ever had nice yeah i think for me uh, one of the big places i want to go are the stands and so it's like well why not just do the mongo rally and then just hit a few off the list right <laughs> yeah even if you don't want to do the mongo rally uh just you know, figure out what their plan is and get their their visa machine people to get you the visas for it and you could make it how you want. Yeah, I think the other cool thing is just the, you know, the content that we were able to collect from that whole trip um, that we can keep, you know, recycling and using. Uh, I mean, Jeff had, we had this guy who's in college, Jeff went to the University of Alabama and we had this random guy message us who's a student in Alabama. And he's like, hey, I found your brand and I saw that you guys did the Mongol rally. Like, would you guys want to sponsor us? So that's just kind of cool in the sense that we are now connected to that way to the, to the Mongol rally. And um, yeah, so people are finding us that way. But, you know, they find our brand. They really like it. You know, the whole fight against boring thing is, is pretty cool in the sense of, you know, being able to showcase those pictures of our piece of crap car and driving it across 10,000 miles. Right, right. It, it it just explains the whole ethos of the company. Not that fight against boring is hard to figure out, but like with a visual representation, and I'm sure you have many other stuffs planned. <laughs> this but great. this is a great photo. Yeah, that's right. Cool there you go. That's our car. That's his brother. So that's kind of like that's like us. Right? Yep, that says it all. It says it all right there. So our then, stereo costs twice as much as our car did. <laughs> <laughs> 
much. Yeah, for and it people, was worth every penny. For people who who haven't heard about the Mongo Rally, just fill them in, Jeff, on like oh, on, yeah. on the Sorry. details. Um, because and and the company that does this, the Adventurist, as yeah, Jeff mentioned, has like a bunch of other. They things. do. Yeah, exactly. The Adventurist is amazing. Uh, so all you listeners, check them out. Uh, they do a few different crazy rallies and uh, motor-based adventures. So they have a rickshaw run. They have you know a few called the Monkey Run, where you drive a little scooter. Uh, and then their flagship is the Mongol Rally. So the rules are uh, it has to be 1.2 liter engine or less, which is equivalent of like 75 horsepower maybe or less. <laughs> uh, and it should be a piece of crap car. And you start up in London and you make it to Mongolia any way you want. Or actually now it ends in Ulaanbaatar, Russia by uh, lake by call. But anyway, you pick your own route. The most people... I would say have a pretty similar route. Uh, you go through Central Europe, down into Turkey, through Turkey to Georgia, Azerbaijan, and then you take a boat to uh, Turkmenistan if you can't get into Iran. So a lot of Europeans go through Iran, Americans, uh, Australians, English, and Canadians aren't letting or they're not giving visas to. So we wanted to go to Iran, and they told us, Good luck. It's not going to happen. So anyway, then you go through Turkmenistan, uh, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Russia, Mongolia, and back to Russia, I would say is the main route for most people. Uh, and it's 17,000 kilometers in total. Uh, and it's just one hell of a time. It's amazing. My favorite part was that, what was it, like the first couple that finished basically got shamed because they didn't have yeah. that hard time. <laughs> yeah, you get shamed if you uh, are the first to arrive or if you have the nicest car. They hand out stickers at the launch party with the Queen of England on it saying shame. And they give everybody <laughs> stickers. And if somebody has a nice car, you shame sticker their car, which I thought was a brilliant idea. That is brilliant. They're great, great marketers. They run awesome events. I've known a bunch of people who have done different events. We'll get them on the show eventually. It's never worked out with timing, but uh, I I knew a girl who did the Mongol Mongol Derby, which is the the horse, well, you want to say race, but yeah, Yeah. we ride a horse through Mongolia, and these are like crazy, like not broken in horse. These are wild horses. Um, yeah, she had a quite, uh, quite an adventure there. Um, so you guys then with getting the word out about the shirts, obviously Mongol, um, rally, you've done some other stuff. You're talking about going to, down to loom. What is the strategy to get the word out? Do you have some cool stuff that you have planned out, um, for, for people to get to know it? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our real, our big home run swing actually happens, um, a couple, you know, like a month ago at the surf expo. So we basically Jeff flew, which is in Orlando. So Jeff flew from California and we basically built our 10 by 10 booth, um, in Daytona and we drove it an hour and a half, uh, 10 by 10, the smallest booth you can have. So we, no one knew who we were in, in Florida. So being more based in California, um, but we, out of the 600 booths, were the only booth that was handing out alcohol for some reason. So we asked previously if we could have a margarita machine, and the basically the guy, the director, was like, absolutely. And we're like, okay, sweet. So we got a margarita machine. We built an amazing custom booth. Um, Jeff and Richie, who are head designer, are, you know, they were creating all these awesome signs, and 
we basically made that booth into our brand, like a really fight against boring. Um, you know, we had sloths and llama heads and, you know, girls dancing and stuff where most people didn't. So we were, you know, we were kind of that party booth. So we really built our brand that way. And then since having the, you know, the positive reinforcements and everyone, you know, we had the head of Jetty there, um, Vans, you know, top people at Vans were coming over and saying, you know, we've never seen someone have such a big impact on their first year. Like they're really, you know, kind words that they were saying. So that gave us even more confidence that we were kind of on the right path. So after Surf Expo, I stayed in Florida and now I've been kind of in a sense, guerrilla marketing this in the stores. I've been just walking right into shops and saying, hey, we just did Surf Expo. We had a great experience. Um, this is our brand. This is our line. I kind of tell them the whole story. You know, I'll come in with some of the artwork so they can really see how we, you know, transform them into the shirts and, and the other products. And it's been all great response. I mean, we just recently were talking about St. Pete. I mean, I got us into a store in St. Pete you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, um, you know, we're probably in about 15 news shops, uh, Key West is going to be great. So that was kind of just, you know, the last three weeks of me just rolling around and, you know, just walking in. So that's been, that's been fun in the sense, cause you know, it's, it's a new experience. Uh, I, I do have some sales experience, but not so much in, you know, the fashion retail world. So walking right in and just getting that positive reinforcement is, I mean, no one has said no. So that's kind of cool because we do differentiate ourselves enough to have, um, you know, kind of an upper hand. I mean, we'll, we'll, in April, we have all these new shirts that are coming out with, you know, side zipper pockets um, on the shirt, which no one has. And, you know, people have seen that and they love it. So those are little things that we have. I think the coolest thing that we have coming up this summer, we're actually driving from California. We're going to go buy, you know, an old school bus we're going to paint it completely white and we're going to drive it across the country stopping in all the big cities and what we're going to do is basically invite all the artists in that area so let's say we're in denver we're going to invite all the artists to you know come showcase their artwork you know we'll obviously have our margarita machine we'll be we'll kind of make it into you know a party in a sense of here's our brand here are the artists and then we're going to let them paint the bus so every stop that we go to you know, we're getting all this new artwork onto our bus. And by the time we, you know, hit the East Coast, our whole bus is going to be full. We're, we're going to have a competition. So we'll pull off our favorite elements off the bus and start creating new products using those, you know, those art pieces. So obviously that's going to be a great content builder for us. More, you know, aligns perfectly with our brand. And uh, yeah, so we're super excited about that one. I think that will be a, a fun way to get our brand out there. And it'll be a mobile pop-up, so we'll be selling yeah. there and setting up the pop-up at different stores to simultaneously not just get sales that day, but to try to get into new stores across the way. So the potential for the road trip is, you know, it's pretty big. So yeah. it's like uh, we think it's a rally. great idea. That's right. And like you mentioned, it's having fun, right? Like you're setting stuff up so that you can go and have fun with this brand. Like you would want to take a road trip, meeting interesting people along the way, whether you were selling stuff or not. And now yeah. you're saying, yeah, we have to do it, right? Hey, guys, mom, dad, yep. wife, whatever. We got to go. See ya. Getting in the white bus. Um which is just incredible. I and think I need to bring my wife on this one for part right. of it. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair she enough. Missed out on the Mongol rally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, but I love that. And and that's such an awesome idea. And I think what's so cool about it is 
you know, as much as we talk about stuff changing and you have Facebook ads and you're targeting people and this and that, there's something to be said for the guerrilla marketing in person, getting out there and showing what you're all about. And this is a perfect, perfect example of that. I had a buddy who started an internet company in 1998 and they basically did the same thing, right? In 1998, they had like a bus and they went around to college campuses and this and that. Two Israeli guys I know who are starting a food company went around the U.S. in a bus and we're making shakshuka and beer. You know, it's like it, yeah. it doesn't change, right? No matter well, how it'll never there. get old. <laughs> it never will. Business. It will never get old, especially never. if you got the margarita machine. Especially if you got. Uh, yeah, that. exactly. I mean, we're gonna post up right in front of your house in Philly or in that, Pennsylvania. Come on, come on. <laughs> we'll do. We'll we, do a huge show. There we go. Show. There we go. I mean, margar <laughs> perfect. Margaritas are perfect here in Philly. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, one thing I had to ask you because I was uh, people on your Instagram here, George Kittle rocking a Baja Llama shirt. Uh, yeah, I if forgot guys, about that. If you guys don't know George Kittle, if you're listening and you're not NFL fan, one of, if not the best tight end in the NFL, fun guy. How does this happen? Because that's a, that's a pretty fun celebrity to have. Totally. And it's, again, just kind of guerrilla marketing in the sense of just DMing every single person out there, um, you know, and and. We're we're getting at that in the sense of you know it's it's just a numbers game and obviously someone like George Kittle has millions of followers so for him to see our DM took a little bit of time but his sister actually it's kind of a weird story but his sister was like she loved the shirts she loved the prints and then she's like you got to send one to my brother and I was like who's your brother because I didn't know that I didn't even look at her last name it was Kittle and then. Obviously, us being from the Bay Area, Niner fans, you know, we were just so pumped about it. And he rocked that one at the Pro Bowl last year, which was the uh, the Narwhals drinking beer and things like that. Because he's obviously super, you know, energetic and fun. And we're excited. He's hilarious. To yeah, he's hilarious. So we're sending him a bunch of our new prints that are coming. Like we have uh, one that we know is going to be exciting is the original gangster shirt, which basically highlights all the extinct animals. Um, rock and gold so, chains, rock and gold chains and hats. So that's uh, one that's you know we know he's gonna like. So we're excited about that. Also, if you scroll a little bit farther on that Instagram, um, Denise Richards, the actress, she's rocking one of our shirts as well, which is I, she I did a know. whole photo shoot for yeah one of my friends, one of our on, friends on a movie set. Yeah, and for <laughs> us, you know that time zone that was like when Wild Things came out. Like she was the the hottest woman in the world at that time. So it was pretty cool to kind of have your childhood crush. Wear. You still are Denise. <laughs> yeah, you still are Denise. We know you're listening. Childhood crush slash still crush Denise. Richards. Yeah, right. yeah, there you go. Um, what exactly. If, what, let's take back to travel here and, and tie up on this. You guys have had quite a few experiences. Um, what sticks out in your mind, whether this be a story of you doing something together or separately as the biggest travel mishap that you found yourself in? Um, I guess I can start. So Jeff and I, I, I think we were together. So back on that 2004 trip, uh, we were backpacking and my parents and family actually were going to be in Barcelona to celebrate my grandma's 80th birthday. So our only goal, my parents said, you guys can go on this trip, but you have to make it to Barcelona on this date or whatever. And we were, we we're like, all right, that's easy. It's easy. We had no idea what we we're doing. But part of our trip, part of our itinerary was going to Pampelona and going to run with the bulls. And so we get on, I think, Jeff, I don't know where we were. We were somewhere before that and we missed the train or something. So we actually didn't end up going to Pampelona. 
But back then, no cell phones, none of that. We didn't tell my parents that. And what happened is that they woke up and I guess four kids or five Americans were actually injured or killed in the running with the bulls. And all I had was a thousand emails from all the parents saying, where the hell are you guys? Like, are you okay? Are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. So for, I still, I mean, even when Jeff was here, we just got, my parents are still pissed off at me about that because, you know, they were so scared about our life, our lifestyle, but it was a, uh, it was a kind of a moment where like, oh man, communication is pretty important, I guess, when you're traveling by yourself. Right. 17 year olds traveling through Europe together and just uh, getting smashed by bulls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, what about uh, you? You have a different story? Oh yeah. I've a lot of mishaps, but that's the problem is, uh, what's your definition of mishaps? Because every time I think of one of these stories, it ends up being like one of the greatest <laughs> uh, thanks. You know what I mean? Like, all no, of course. I, I totally bad. know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. One thing that sticks out, I was uh, going from uh, Corn Islands in Nicaragua. You, you uh, fly into Big Corn and then you have to take a little boat to Little Corn Islands. And uh, right as we're getting on the boat, a, you know, in the tiny little harbor, uh, police boat shows up with two guys one guy standing up we think he's getting arrested so like all right well this is weird the other guy's laying down well sure enough come to find out the guy laying down is dead and the other guy standing up they're holding up because he's in shock and the reason the guy's dead is because their boat capsized because the the waves were so strong and this is right after we're about to pull out on an open air ponga to go across you know the middle of the ocean to this other island so we left. Uh, sure enough, the waves were way too big to be safe. Uh, they had to have a guy on the front of the boat on a rope to tell the driver which way to go because there's no way he could see over the waves going up and down. So people are freaking out. My brother and I are on the front of this boat holding on to the rope with the head guy. So we think it's hilarious. We think it's fun, right? Might as well enjoy this ridiculous experience we look back uh there's a guy fully praying there's a few people crying in shock uh my sister-in-law and our friend from england are behind us scared and my brother looks over uh and he's like oh looks like it's gonna be a big one and the <laughs> meltdown that people had was i think probably uh one of the most uh mesmerizing experiences but sure enough we made it safely uh, but we were stuck on the island for a week because they wouldn't let boats off so if you want to call that a mishap i guess it is but yeah stuck on know. a tropical island though not, yeah, not so much exactly. downside right yeah exactly awesome. we like to have uh misadventurous written all over our website as well so we yeah, experienced exactly. it as as we like people i know a lot of people have totally i, I should have thought about that i'm sure i have a lot of actual mishaps but well, I when we do those listen out. when we do the live show it, it can just be you telling mishaps and uh me and yeah. sean just be sitting there drinking margaritas and you can just keep going man as long as the margarita machine is full we're good to go it refills forever oh god we, we probably refilled that thing 10 times at that event people well, were so thirsty for it i can't believe yeah. that may maybe they just assume they couldn't right like why that seems like the most obvious draw to get people to oh. the roi on it's crazy 
two right. hundred bucks a day to have that, and the exposure we got. I mean, people are partying at this event, or you know, at nighttime. So the morning, a lot of people show up hungover, and they're just they don't don't want to deal with anything. But by noon, they're ready for a cocktail, and they swarm like bees. You know, people are coming. Oh, I heard about your booth. Now, regardless if they care about our brand, like it or not, people were talking about our booth to anybody that they could. And sure enough, just again, numbers game, that amount of exposure, you're going to get enough good exposure uh, to make it worth it. So yeah, that ROI, um, that machine was. Amazing. Yeah. A great, a great little thing we did marketing wise was we had our girls, you know, that were helping us. They walked around with these little cards, but on the card, it had a QR code of our catalog, but the card said a free margarita at booth 540. So they had to have the little cards to get their their you know margarita but then they were able to see our catalog and see what was coming so that we were able to generate a lot of business that way so that was that was cool for us nice the, i guess the question becomes how many booths have a margarita machine at surf expo <laughs> next year uh oh we got we got to go big no, I think yeah. I think you try to get uh, exclusive rights to that man. Talk to the guy and be like, "Hey, we want exclusive rights. We'll pay you X amount per day. No one else can have the margarita machine." <laughs> it's weird that they let us have it because they had alcohol vendors that were charging ridiculous prices. <laughs> so clearly, yeah. I mean, we cost them thousands and thousands of dollars in sales. If we had six hundred margaritas, we handed out, you know, and they're charging twelve dollars for their margaritas. I mean, do the math. That's a a lot of revenue that they lost, so That's get amazing. on them for letting don't, us do it. Yeah, don't let Surfax go here this one. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you guys, you mentioned it a little bit um, in the show, what do you guys have coming up in the pipeline? Because you, you talked about, right now it's button-down, short-sleeve shirts, but yep. there are other products coming, and we'll, we'll probably be launching the show after these new products come. So if you guys are listening, you probably find this at BajaLama.com. But what are you? What type of products do you have coming soon? And then what maybe do you envision in the future? So what we have already developed that we've uh, you know gone through pre-production, found suppliers, and done that whole process for is uh, hats, a few different types, uh, trucker. They're all snapback, but you know from we have a corduroy one embroidered with our boring logo, which is amazing. So a few different types of hats. Uh, we have t-shirts that will be done here in the next three weeks, which for you listeners is mid-March, 2020. Uh, and those are made in Peru from badass Pima cotton. So they're super soft, amazing t-shirts. Uh, we have bathing suits that that's why I was in Colombia. Uh, we're making our bathing suits in Colombia. Um, those, we like we say we're a pocket company. Clothes are just a byproduct because we love pockets. And so, uh, like our new shirts, uh, not t-shirts, but button-ups will have a secret side pocket, and our bathing suits have a little secret side pocket. Uh, and again, the t-shirts and bathing suits will feature some pretty amazing artwork. Um, so that's all for the immediate future for release here pretty soon. And then we've developed uh, we call them explorer shorts just a pair of everyday shorts that are kind of hybrid that would have a water repellent, you know, a light polyester material that, you know, if you're cruising around in Thailand and uh, it pours rain on you and you get wet, no big deal. They'll, they'll dry, you know, and they have a few little pockets that you could zip up for your passport, um, but still look pretty good. So th those will be more functional shorts. 
the great um, thing about that is Jeff actually purchased, you know, other brands Explorer shorts that are the world's best Explorer shirts, and they didn't last a, two weeks on the Mongol Rally. So ours are definitely going to be, you know, created to withstand yeah. an adventure like that. That was the other part of that trip was to test product. Yeah, you gotta uh, you gotta wear next... test everything, right? And what better way yeah. to do it than driving seventeen hundred kilometers across some of the most desolate area of the world? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's for immediate. And then you know we have longer term plans. By next fall, hopefully we'll have some more winter gear. Some uh, whether it's hoodies or Henleys or uh, definitely flannels. We want to bring in um, just to round out our brand. Still have our. You know, everything will have some unique t- touch to it, whether it's a pocket or, you know, even subtle things like crazy stitching here or whatever, you know, something to keep the Baja brand going. But we want to uh, have a holistic brand for the whole year and not just all you can do is wear uh, summer button ups or bathing suits around. Right. So, so that's our next goal. That's what we're uh, going to be starting uh, to heavily develop here soon yeah and we're excited for the swimsuits as well because you know when i actually did that guerrilla marketing through florida and i go into these stores you know some people are selling swimsuits for 120 bucks but they look at what i showed them and they're like we don't have anything like this this is amazing so we're excited to you know release that and for the listeners you know check it out because we'll have cool videos explaining the new features and things like that so Nice. And I'm super excited you have pockets, too, because I I actually said to my wife this last summer, I had these shorts I loved that no pockets. And I'm like, I can't oh. I can't wear this swimsuit like it's just it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, so, ex- exactly. Yeah. So well, awesome. it doesn't make any sense to me. Nobody get in the first pair. There we go. Send those Baja Lama swimsuits right here, man. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I take a trip down to Florida to wear test them because if I get them in March, I mean, you know, oh, it's yeah. a little cold right. here. Rock. I'll go out to the Jersey Shore. I'll, I'll shoot a video. You guys can throw it on Instagram with some crazy dude going in at like 20 degrees um, down at the Jersey Shore. So, And that's the type of stuff we would actually like you to send us. There you go. I, hey, I know. I know. I'll, I'll make sure I have a margarita afterwards, too, and I'll send you that picture as well, right? Um, cool. Sean, Jeff, guys, first time we did three different people in three oh, different man. locations on the show. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you guys for joining me today for fighting the fight against boring, making awesome clothing, making it cool to wear button down shirts that that aren't boring and and continuing to push the product line out there. Uh, Just super excited to see what else Baja Lama has coming out. And uh, yeah, cool. name. Like I said at the top. Great name. Love saying it. I have like I don't want to let the podcast be done because I just like saying Baja Lama. Just comes right off. Remind people where they could come get a hold of you in case you didn't pick up on it already. Where should they go to find everything that you guys are doing? Yeah, you can find us at bajalama.com for the people that, you know, aren't the Spanish speakers. B-A-J-A-L-L-A-M-A dot com. Our Instagram is at Baja Lama. And uh, you know we'll be we'll be having a lot of you know new content being shown out there as well as you know all our cool content that we're creating throughout our road trips and things like that. Awesome, yeah, and we'll link everything up in the show notes, everyone. So in case, yeah, in case you didn't understand, bahalama.com. They did it. They made it easy for you. They got the Instagram handle. They got the dot com. What what more can you want out of a company name? Um, awesome. We'll link everything in the show notes. You can get that extra pack of peanuts.com slash shows. Obviously find the show. We'll link everything up there. And, uh, Sean and Jeff just want to say thanks again for coming on. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for having us. 
Appreciate cool. it. Yeah, it was a great time. I'll We're be... looking forward to the live show. That's right. I'm looking forward to the white bus coming, rolling through <laughs> wherever I am, man. So awesome. Guys, thank you all for tuning in today for your continued support that makes us to this day the number one rated travel podcast out there. And until next time, everyone, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.